Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your returning from the dark, neophyte Frank. And today we're starting off season six. We're looking at season six, episodes one and two. Here, come, here comes your man. Holy fuck, we are moving along, which I mean in Degrassi terms, it's weird because it's like we've been through quite a bit. But we're still, we're not halfway through, I don't think. Nope. Like, we're not halfway through. Which is like, okay, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, before we begin, um, some quick content warnings. This episode may talk a little bit about, there is a little bit of homophobia, there's some racism, a little bit of a talk about eating disorders, drugs. So, you know, it's a pretty average Degrassi fair, unfortunately. Um, but uh, before we get into that, Frank, let's let's get back on into Degrassi mode. Uh, would you like to introduce our A plot and our two B plots? Yeah, the, uh, while you were while you were doing the trigger warnings, I looked at the count: three hundred and eighty-five episodes. We're, we're about a fourth of the way through. <laughs> uh, so, uh, in the main A plot that runs for two episodes, uh, Sean's back in town. Um, you know, they, whatever. I'll discuss it later. We'll talk and about it. everybody has caught the Fast and the Furious bug and is street racing. Um, and they are just as stupid as all the people who were doing this during the early aughts. Uh, meanwhile, um, our new place for the B-plot is not with the adults, it's with the college freshmen, um, wherein Marco is moving in with Dylan, he's still trying to hide his, uh, relationship with Dylan from his father, um, Paige is expecting a going-away party, um, then, uh, Ellie, it, Runs into problems with her new roommate. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's where we're at. And um, because, especially one, both these episodes... Thanks, Dahlia, for moving my nose. Um, one, like, both... The A-plot takes up so much of these two episodes. Um, and the B-plots, both are very much interconnected because they feature a similar cast of characters. We're just going to go through the whole entire thing see where we end up um oh boy i got a lot of feelings about this era of degrassi that i did not remember until like we watched like the first scene and i was just like oh my god oh fuck like (laughs) we'll talk about it though um so i guess let's before we jump into the episode we have very very exciting news which is that we have a new opening yeah, um, wait, I, I wasn't paying attention, is it the actual, the one where you, is it the one we're actually using? Yep, it is. Oh, is that the one I pulled? Yep, like. that's the one that you pulled. What I am fascinated by is I didn't really realize how long we stuck with the old one. Like, there were some updated pieces of footage but for the longest time we were stuck with having an opening that had characters that like hadn't been on the show in seasons yeah Um, i didn't realize like how long it took to jump to this one like i really thought there was a 
another opening before this one, but apparently not. Um, this one is more of a retrospective. Um, it features all the principal characters uh, doing like, you know, little sitcom poses, like they're on like bumpers for uh, like local, local news station type things. Um, and the background features them from like pivotal moments of their character arcs and things like that, um, which at the time I actually was very, very charmed by um, because I think it also kind of spoke to the fact that I was within the same age as a lot of these characters. And as I was going through this transition that a lot of these characters were going through, which was graduating high school, going to college, like it felt like I felt like the weight of the situation like i was like oh yeah it makes sense that we're like looking back because they have gone through so much so i kind of liked it when i was a kid now it's a little goofy um but i think that just speaks to how i'm an older audience now i don't like feel as much anymore because to me i am now 29 years old and i know that like so much can happen before this point um but it, I was like, oh, shit, yeah, no, we have a new, like, you could kind of see that they are trying to make sense of what the show is going to be now because of the fact that you do have these characters, most of your characters, in some form of transition. Yeah, but, I mean, for me, it's just like, I, like, I don't need, you know the fucking paranoia agent opening, but it's just like, this is not a sitcom. <laughs> it's like, we're watching the, like, in this episode alone, we deal with street racing, a, like, um, manslaughter, and just like a whole host of other shit. I'm just like, this isn't yeah. really striking the tone. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think that's what I was feeling a bit about like once again i think it worked for me as a kid so i think ultimately like i can consider the opening a success because it does speak to a crucial audience like but yeah no it, it, it does totally not quite match like i feel like even if the i'm very nostalgic toward the original openings um but i think what i liked about them was that even if tonally i feel like tonally they were still complimentary because even though degrassi obviously goes there and, like, there's a bunch of serious shit that happens. I feel as though the opening really echoed, like, these are kids. And these are kids that you might know. And these are kids that you might be friends with or that you see yourself in. Um, and here they are goofing off for a moment because they're kids. Now we're running into this issue that we were sensing, especially last season, where the episodes are technically very well ran. But at the same time, um, they're not really kids that you know anymore. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the disconnect is really obvious in the opening where they seem to be more like figures, like like you said, like sitcom character, like things that are not really as grounded in reality anymore. Um, and it's it's I mean, it's it's how things go, right? Like things grow, things change. Um, but it is, it is interesting how it's just not as grounded anymore. Yeah. Um, right, shall we get... of his, wait, we got to mention Marco got rid of his denim jacket. Frank, you're free. Okay. 
Um, yeah, he finally has just a neat little, uh, like, hoodie. Um, all right, let's get into it. Um, so we open on, um, we open on Peter's father doing what no father of a teenager should ever do, which is giving your child a brand new car. It never works out. It's always a bad idea. Like, and the way to teach your child responsibility is by giving them a shit car that they have to maintain. I mean, that's yeah. Happened. That's what happened to me. I had a 1988 Grand Marquis in 2004. Yeah. So, um, and Peter's like, oh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> him and um, him and Emma are still dating. And they decide to take the car for a little driving montage. Um, and they arrive at... Um, I forget exactly where they arrive, but... Oh, shit. It, I think they arrive at the school. And yeah. it's like... Oh, shit. It's Sean. And... Actually, I think it's the park, but it doesn't really matter. Point is that they see Sean and they see Jay. And also, it's just like... I, I I don't know I I doubt Canada is well I I don't know what teachers make in Canada it's probably also still far too little um I mean we do see the Nelson household having to deal with a lot with like lackluster funds so it's just like I it's another thing where it's just like the divorced parents one of them's making more money is like I'm gonna flex on my ex and buy my son a very expensive sports car and it's just like. Why? I also feel like there was a time where if Degrassi Next Gen kept its tone from some of the earlier seasons and, like, they maintained it into senior year, that feels as though that would have been a plot point. Like, it feels like Peter's whole entire arc wouldn't have been what he did to Manny, but it would have been him being in between these parents and there is a notable... Like, there's a difference in how they're raising him. There's a difference in their, like, class situation um, and, like, you know, buying them, buying him expensive gifts versus making him earn it and things like that. And how I feel like that Once Upon a Time could have been the plot with Peter um, and would have made him way more endearing. But I think also the, the thing that is always worth mentioning is that, again, he did horrible unforgivable shit and it makes it incredibly hard to see him on my computer screen (laughs) so i'm already out like as soon as i see him i'm like oh fuck it's a peter episode fuck um but it's like so they see sean and jay jay makes a broke back joke because it's the time that people were making a lot of those uh because they're living together um and it's, yeah, it's, so Sean's back. Emma is obviously, like, very curious about this. Um, we know how they, but yeah, so Sean's back. Um, honestly, when I saw him, I was happy to see him. Um, I don't know how you felt, Frank. I was happy to see him, especially because, like, the way that he was sent off was so fraught and so uh, frustratingly done. Um, and I feel like at the end of the day, even though Sean has screwed up, 
I can admit that I have a soft spot for him. So when I saw him on the TV, computer, whatever, I was like, oh, cool, Sean's back. But I don't know how you felt. Well, my my, the thing is, when I first saw Sean, I'm just like, this isn't a redemptive arc. It's never a redemptive arc for, like, honestly, for our poor and, excuse me, our lower income and, like, characters of color. They never get to come back from where they are. Everything they do is just le- going to lead to more misery. Yeah. Like, you know, even with Jay, like, Jay gets to admit he's lonely and then just keeps being a shithead. Like, you know, what does what does Alex get for being true to, like, what her situation is? She gets to get broken up with Paige. I, I, like, I, I knew when I saw Sean, I'm like, Sean's going to go through more shit. Um... So, yeah, um, opening credits, and we cut to the um, Dylan Marco apartment. Well, no, we have to confront the unfortunate news. Uh, Well, mostly it's just, like, that quick, which Degrassi usually the first episode does, where we kind of see all the other characters and, like, what they're up to. Um, As, like, the JT-Toby-Liberty trio points out, like, they are seniors, which is wild. Like, even though we have not really made a dent in this series, at the end of the day, we have seen some of these characters grow up. So it's, like, really kind of surreal to, like, get to a point where they are at that age. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I remember when you guys were peanuts on the playground. Like, shit. I I, I mean, I do think we're going for a full... At some point, we're going to have a full, you know, cast wipe where it's just going to be everybody we knew is gone. Um, and I don't, I, like, I don't, I think Darcy is the first, like, is the first bit of that wave. Because mm-hmm. I definitely think Darcy is meant to replace our, like, mean girl character and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. She's not, and she's not as interesting, admittedly. No, no, I think, I think what it is is they couldn't quite commit to her being <laughs> Sorry, spit one down the wrong, too. That's all good. My feelings toward Darcy is, like, if they were going to make her a mean girl, they had to really commit, and I feel like they never really committed. Like, there's this, like, good, like, they're, they're, they, like, if she's supposed to be, like, the the good girl, then she's the good girl, and they need an antagonist, then she becomes the antagonist. But, like, it's not that strangely complicated and weirdly interesting moral code of Paige. Um, she's just an antagonist for the sake of they need an antagonist as opposed to like, let's create a queen bee. Let's have her be a reason for tension. Let like, you know what I mean? She just, she's there. Um, unfortunately she's there with Spinner, um, which we kind of had implied at the finale. We had the whole entire moment where, where, where uh, Spinner is like, oh, if she looks back, like, we still have a chance. So, like, we knew that they were probably going to end up together. It's still disappointing, but, like, we kind of anticipated that this was going to happen. Um, and Ashley is back. Um, Dar- and, like, also, Ashley and Darcy were wearing, like, exactly what I would expect people to wear on the first day of school the year that this was filmed. So, like, great job, costuming department. Um <laughs> 
And yeah, so that happens. Um, we end up with, then we go back to uh, Peter and Emma and Manny all coming in in uh, Peter's car. Uh, Peter literally yells to the parking lot, look at my whip. And I wanted to die, which is not abnormal for me watching this. Uh, we also uh, have... Oh, yeah, go on. Sorry, I will admit, one of, the th- one of the things I like about this is nobody gives a shit, like, oh, about yeah. Peter's new car. No. Like, because, uh, okay, so... And here's the, uh, here's the other thing that I've ne- I now I'm starting to realize about Peter, is, like, nobody is going to want to hang out with the principal's kid. And that's a tough road to hoe for, you know, deep... What? Nobody wants to hang out with the principal's kid if they're a fucking idiot. That is not necessarily true because I can tell you that um, principal kids, superintendent's kids, they can be fine. But they, you know, sometimes you're just rotten. And that's the thing about Peter. Um, And there's this... Sorry, I had to defend that because I was like, no... I taught the superintendent's kid specifically, and I fucking loved her, and I still keep in touch with her. She is lovely and had friends. She was fine. Okay, well, maybe it might just be where I come from, where it's just like, I think every any any teacher's child was just like, you fucking narc. Like, no, not at all. Not not in my experience at all. I think that some kids just suck, um, and I think that's more ammunition. But but the kids who like the, the kids that I've worked with who whose parents were teachers like you're only a narc if you narc you know what I mean it's not it's not your implied ability to narc it's that you fucking narc and the thing about Peter is that he's a narc but that's yeah. inherently his problem so okay so yeah so like he's a fucking narc he you know did that terrible thing to Manny and now he should like. If he like he shows up in a um several like tens of thousand dollars worth of car mm-hmm. and like I would just be like I'm gonna punch this kid yeah. <laughs> like yeah there, there there was this one kid in my high school who was so goddamn annoying and like he was always loud and trying to make himself bigger than he was. He was a pufferfish. Um, and one day, and, and I like went to school with like some, like I think I've mentioned before, like it was from a lower income area that, that, mm-hmm. that you know, but they were all going, like everybody was really great for the most part. Um, what I'm getting at is like this kid, started saying, like, I rolled deep, I got 500 on me. And I saw a lot of people, for, actually, you know, from, from like, all ra- all income ranges just kind of looking at him, just like, that's a fucking two-for-one deal. I can beat him up, then take his money. <laughs> and I feel like that's, like, how I look at Peter, just like, I could I could fucking take him and then grab his wallet. <laughs> like, uh, what, what I'm saying here is just Peter's just rotten, and like this episode is is never quite committing 
to this aspect of him that just doesn't have friends. They, like, talk about it a little bit, but they don't really give a reason. They don't really frame... The thing about Peter is, like, he doesn't have friends, and you as a viewer say, well, no shit, he doesn't have friends. He did horrible things. Like, no shit. The episode never really sets up any reason. Even though it could be as simple as he, you know, he's been through a lot of shit, so he's kind of detached, or, um, you know, he misses social cues, and it's, you know, he can't quite connect with people sometimes. Or, like, there's so many ways that they could have made this into something. But instead, I feel like as a viewer... And maybe there's a Peter fan that I don't know about, but I've really never met one. And I would say email us, but I feel like that would be a dead end. Um, Like, he's never been sympathetic on this front. Like, I would argue, like, it's one of those things where you're like, I feel like even as an adult, you'd be watching the dynamic happen. And it's like, you kind of look at Peter and it's like, have you tried being nicer? Just a thought. Well, well, that's like... Donnie, do you remember when we watched Booksmart? Yeah. Do you remember the character Jared, the one who hung out with Gigi, the best character in that movie? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's that he is that character. But like, he could have like a fucking like boat party, and like only two people show up. <laughs> yeah, and like he needs, you know, like Peter needs to learn that flashing money doesn't matter, like because he's fake. Everything yep. he does is fake and phony and awful. Um, and we've talked nonstop about Pete. And you know what? That's why he wants to date Emma, because Emma's the same fucking way. Yeah. All right. We've Now we cracked the code. Okay, we can't spend two hours shit-talking Peter. We need to move on to the actual plot. Like Manny's hair. Manny has bangs. <laughs> Manny has very harsh bangs, blunted bangs, and, like, her hair, it's like... It's just very of the time where it's, like, a lot of folks were getting, like, the very blunted, like, blunted bang, which you may remember from, like, a lot of people I associated with Lady Gaga because, like, that's who my style icon was at that era. And then it was, like, just, like, her hair, it just didn't look, like, it looked really dry and maybe there's some extensions work involved and it didn't look great. Um, and unfortunately, she was stuck with that look for a while. And I remember looking at it even as a kid and being like, mm, well, poor Manny. Looking at this as an adult, I'm just like, Cassie Steele has... This is very shallow of me, but like, Cassie Steele has such a pretty face that I'm like, don't hide, don't hide that in, in like, in a hair curtain. Like, you're not, yeah. you're not the girl from The Ring. Like, <laughs> It's just too much. It's just way too much. It's too long. Um, and it's never, like, pulled back in any way, it's just, it, it, that was, that was the look, like, you can't even be like, oh, like, what's up with, like, that's how people looked, that's how people did their hair, it wasn't a good look, I don't think very many looks from that era, um, you know, were the nicest to every single body type, we've talked about hip huggers, we've talked about a lot of things on the show, inevitably, um, and yeah, no, just, like, the curtain of heavy hair, I just, wasn't great, and I had to yell about it. She wanted to yell about Sean's biceps, which, who can blame her? Um, Emma then reveals to Peter that she made a hat. They talk a little bit about how she is knitting a lot, and it's kind of like, you know, her coping 
mechanism, which is interesting, and I don't know if the show actually intended this, but if you re recall, very early in the series, knitting was kind of the distraction that her father used way back when. Oh, shit. Nice callback. Thank you. Thank you. I, I don't think it's intentional. Maybe maybe it is. That would be really delightful if it was, because now I can have one fond Emma headcanon, which is like she was with her therapist, and her therapist is talking about like how, like you know, distract yourself and things like that. What can you do? And she recalled her dad knitting. So that's um, my canon. Um, or it's just like they read one article. I... Once again, I don't want to shit on your head, Cannon. But like, they read one article. It's like knitting is a coping mechanism. Like, don't knit anymore. Just have everybody knit. Yarn's cheap. <laughs> I, I, that is fair. She can't paint. Do you know how much canvas costs? <laughs> We're doing camera angles this time. Fuck. Hi. <laughs> Also, like, while you recover from that, I just want to point out that, like, sometimes I just really wish they would just fucking go off the rails. And, like, because we never see Summer. And I would just love, like, everybody comes back and just, like, fucking Sean has, like, an auto male arm. Just, like, he's like, I fucking human did some human uh, alchemy. It didn't work. Lost my arm. <laughs> like, like, like um, the world building. Between the months of, like, July and August. Who gives a shit? There's just a dragon. Like, Emma has an eye patch. And, she, and it's like, uh, Emma, what happened? And she's like, things happen, Sean. People change. Well, now I need to know what does what is all of Degrassi's post-time skip looks. <laughs> Obviously. We should do... Okay. that That's a special episode. I have two special episodes. One, um, everybody's post-time skip design two is um what your degrassi ship says about you yeah let's just let's just nobody else is gonna do it we need to do it yeah we gotta we gotta go we gotta make the content that people really want but, it's but good thing out, i'm not funny <laughs> check out elena double cats videos of what your blank ship means about you or like what your blank ship says about you they are so fucking funny, and Donnie got called out so fucking hard. Oh my god, it was. We could, we could just, just all I could say is watch the Fire Emblem one, um, and watch when it gets to my ship, which everyone knows at this point, because it is fucking embarrassing. Um, and it, I was so eviscerated by this fucking video. Frank was trying to be nice to me and be like, oh, I don't know if you want to hear it from me or if you want to watch it yourself. Everyone else is sending me fucking word for word what was said. Everyone's like, does does this person know you? And I was like, like what? And they were like, I, I don't know if this person knows you or is like in the fandom, but like, this is what they said. And I was just, I actually read it for myself and I was just like, oh, Jesus, fuck. Yeah, no, nah, that, that, yeah. That I don't know how that those videos are um, just impeccable, I, but it sounds like it. You know, the person just focuses on fandoms that they're in, and that's the smartest fucking thing you can do, right? Like, yeah, what you know? They're so good. Um, God, I hate that that happened to me. That was so so much. <laughs> anyway. Um, Anyway, Sorry. so, yeah, 
Snake's pumped to see Sean. Sean has been in her high five, and we literally paused the episode so I can go onto the Degrassi wiki, because we were like, were they ever friends? And according to the Degrassi wiki, they didn't really interact on screen. Um, there's, like, you know, the potential, like, oh, they played on sports-ish together and things like that. So whatever it was was happening before the first season type dynamic. Um, but, yeah, they, no, they didn't really know each other. Um, they thought they were fucking with us, but no, we remember. We remember the lack of relationship. Um, so then we have um, the computer lab. Emma is looking up activities for Peter to interact with people. I'm starting to kind of get the feeling that Peter is kind of like a serial killer, and Emma's like, we gotta build some alibis. (laughs) Yeah. He has no interest, like, everything about him's terrible. Um, but, okay, but before we move on from the scene, before we move on from the scene, I do like the fact that, um, whatchamacallit, that uh, Sean and uh, Snake are happy to see each other. That was really sweet. That was probably one of the sweetest moments between these two episodes. Yeah. Because, um, like, I... I I really wanted I really wanted Snake to take Sean under his arm mm. or take him under his wing and also like when um you know Snake started making out with Hasselakos to be like what the fuck like for like Sean being the voice of reason like what the fuck are you doing like right cuz just like just cuz it w- it would be such a heartbreak for him to be like you have everything I've ever wanted and like I've looked up to you, and you're doing this? Like, what? What? Anyway. Yeah. No, there was a lot of potential with that dynamic. I'm glad that they're still fond. Um, so, uh, we... Uh, Manny also uh, mentions she hasn't heard from Craig in a <laughs> while. Um, I can't, can't wait for the drama around that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, but she also keeps pointing out how like Sean is like much beefier now. Oh just... yeah, her eye her eye is on Sean for the first part of this episode. She's she wants the beef. I mean, good for her. Like... Right? Right? Like look, fine. Like, whatever. Little eye candy has never hurt anybody. I mean, well Sean Sean Manny. When I Are say that Steve. I'm sorry? I wouldn't be against it. No, because like when Sean, when Sean is trying to like when he's dating somebody, and you know, I, I unfortunately have to say when he's in control of his emotions, he's a really good boyfriend. He's really cute. Mhm. But I mean, it, they also do run to the fact that like Emma dated Sean, so yeah. But, I, but also, I feel like <laughs> I feel like you know. Manny gets gets uh gets a gimme because like it's like hey you're dating the guy who spread a horrible video of me so you don't get to be mad about this yeah I feel like Manny has her beat in terms of like making moves on someone that perhaps she shouldn't okay I really want I, I know now I'm talking about I really want to watch Emma and Sean's first date um episode again 
simpler times. Simpler times. I just remember Sean in his little turtleneck looking so cute. <laughs> How could we forget his turtleneck? Put put on the turtleneck. Ladies think it's classy. <laughs> like an artist. <laughs> I forgot about that. All right. Um. So this meaningful. There's meaningful looks thrown around. Let's swing on over to the college. Um, yeah, everything gets whack. Um, I I have a lot. I still have a lot of opinions, and we'll hear more about how um, Degrassi approaches college. Um, it doesn't seem like it. It it doesn't seem like anybody's actually been to college because yeah. A lot of stuff doesn't make sense. Like, not everybody's stuff is brought there. Like, um, yeah, they... um, Dylan is in, Dylan and Marco are in an off campus apartment, which is fine. That's not uncommon. But, like, one, Dylan was living with all of his hockey buddies. You mean to tell me he couldn't live with anybody else? Two, um, they're still looking for a roommate, and they are like, the school year is about to start, which is like wild to me. Like, I mean, I can only speak to my experience at Rutgers, but, like, you knew where you were living, like, February, potentially. Like, it, yeah. it was, like, a mad dash to figure out your housing. Like, you had that shit on lock. Or you were a freshman, and you were going to be living on campus because you could afford it or whatever. It, it's just very weird, um, but, like, they're being very lackadaisical about the fact that they have signed a lease and they don't have, like, another person to live there to yeah. a friend. Yeah, and Paige is being like, everybody should throw a party for me. Also, Dylan doesn't know how to make coffee. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, Marco, this whole entire plot, to keep it really short, he is divided between three different things. He is divided between Ellie, who just wants to pick classes with him and kind of, like, be a pair in college. Paige, who wants the send-off because she has not gone to Banting yet, which, you know, is a little odd, but whatever. Like, I don't know what the school schedules are. I'm going to just say, whatever, fine, fine. Maybe she Banting gets a late start. Uh, and Dylan wants him to focus on moving in and transitioning to being his live-in boyfriend. I mean, honestly, I've I know I know we said we're gonna do both, but we could just kind of just hop skip our way through this plot line because there's nothing to it, honestly. No, there really isn't. I mean, let's stay with the format that we have. Okay. That's what we said from the jump. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really quick. Um, we'll try and speed through what we got because, quite frankly, I don't want us to think about Peter any more than we have to. Um. So Manny approaches Sean at school <laughs> and gives him a shovel talk, basically. But, like, I don't know if it's still called a shovel talk, if it's, like, be nice to my friend, but also don't date her, but be nice to her. Um, I don't know what the word for that is. A threat? I guess it's just a threat. Um, and Sean is like, yeah, no, it's cool, it's fine, like, it's gonna be fine. Manny is really worried um, and this is another part of the plot that really falls apart for me, um, because Manny now sees Peter as Emma's salvation, for lack of better terms. 
So she wants to see them be together because to Manny, if they break up, one, it's not nice to Peter because Peter put all that time into being with Emma during her recovery. And two, it's she will spiral potentially because of a breakup. (sighs) Manny, I love, like, Manny, Manny, take a knee. We need to talk about this. Emma's going to spiral because that's what that uh, Emma's a curly fry. She spirals. That's what she does. Oh fuck! <laughs> like, honey, like it, it, it's not going to be Peter breaking up with her. It's not going to be any other thing. It's when when Emma gets bored, she creates drama. That is what Emma does. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a, such a weird argument. It's a weird argument, not even because, like, I could see teenage logic behind that. Like, I could see why a teenager would think that. Yeah, you I, can... I'm sorry, go on. What I don't understand is how it's logical for Manny, who was, you know, exploited by Peter, to want to see them together. That it's... part... That Sorry. Sorry, I keep interrupting, but I was going to say, it's because Emma doesn't have any other friends. Yeah, she doesn't. She really, truly doesn't. And it's it's kind of frustrating because I, I wish she had enough. I wish she had one more friend. Like, if it was that Manny always wanted them to break up because she's rightfully so pissed off at Peter, and but she's also a teenager and doesn't understand that sometimes kids are shitty and you should just cut your losses. She doesn't get it, but so she's going to be mad about it and she's going to constantly tell Emma you should fucking break up. Then you have a second friend who is this Manny's perspective, right? Like, stay together. You lost your fucking shit. Like, you don't want to cause any more tension like that. We're in our senior year. You got to just survive. Like, you know, you just got to you just gotta go with it. Don't sabotage yourself. Like, it, it really feels like that should be someone else's role. But, as you pointed out, she has no other friends. I don't know who that person can be. Like, I don't know who you would grab, which is probably why Manny is doing overtime in the friend perspective department. Yeah. Um, ugh. So, and then, um, do we cut back to the, to the group again? Well, here's what happens. Sean helps out Peter. Like, that's his, like, it's like, Manny's like, don't fuck it up. Sean's like, okay, then I'm going to be friendly with Peter. Um, and it's like, oh, like, if you want to make your car go faster, because he's like tinkering with it. He's like, if you want to go faster, like, you need to get this shit. I can install it for you. Um, because, you know, he still cares about cars, and that's still a deep passion of his. So he gives Peter the instructions of what thing he needs to buy. He's like, hey, like, meet us at this place, and I'll put it in for you. Peter's attention is piqued, because this is apparently an area that there is a lot of street racing, and apparently this is a fucking thing that it is very known. Um, Emma is a bit, uh, about it, but Peter is like, oh, this is going to be great. And, of course, Emma wants to be supportive of Peter, because Peter is apparently a loner, and she feels really bad. Enter what I put in my notes as race place, and I couldn't remember where else it was called. At one point, I called it Radiator Springs. Um, I just kept calling it random car type locations. The uh, uh, the parking lot outside of PS One Nineteen. <laughs> um, 
the so they end up there um there is a bunch of shots of the people there it's really funny because they're supposed to be like tough looking people but honestly they look like all my friends from high school um which is really funny um because it's like oh look they're gonna race and then there's like a guy in a flannel like skateboarding and there's some bmx kids and whatnot it's like all right and um yeah (laughs) poor alex i know like downgraded to race girl (laughs) yeah Um, very weird i mean it's very weird it's like they didn't have they couldn't pay another girl to have lines so they just had alex do it i i honestly wish like there was a, a c plot in this episode where people's people's um car parts just start disappearing and i, I want i want alex to embrace her like both her you know, she she's turned into quite the like good person, but like I I still want I still want grifty Alex, and I want her to yeah. just constantly be steer, stealing from people's cars. Like, so she somebody, can make a mech. So she can what? So she can make a mech. Not so she can make a mech. So she can go to college, but somebody is just like what? Where's my where'd my muffler go? And you just see Alex pawning a muffler, <laughs> like yeah. So, Somebody's wheel comes off mid-race, and you just see Alex, like, running up next to it, grabbing the wheel and running away. <laughs> I don't blame her. I-, I respect the hustle. I think that's, that's whatever. She's doing what she's got to do. Um, um, and also, um, is, this, is this the part where, uh, no. Um, Jay objectifies Emma. Sean threatens to beat the shit out of him the scene pretty much ends because Peter arrives and they're like super like, wait, really? Is he really going to be racing? La, 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 la. Yeah. Um, now do we cut back to the other group? Now, yeah. Now we're at the dot. Um, Sean, I keep saying Sean and Spinner are getting confused. Ugh, I used to do that a lot in high school and then I was on this podcast and I was pretty good at it. But I guess now that Sean's back, I got to like recalibrate my brain. Um, Spinner is cleaning shit up as... Ellie is trying to talk classes with Marco. Um, Ellie doesn't know how to pronounce Foucault, which at first I was ragging on, but to be honest, I didn't read Foucault until I was in college. So, like, she'll learn. Um, I read a lot of Foucault in college, honestly. Um, Anyway, so she's, like, so they're, like, talking because that's what Ellie wants, right? Ellie wants to do class with her friend. Remember, this is the big conflict of this plot. Uh, meanwhile, Paige enters, uh, she and Spinner have a really, like, awkward, like, shuffling of sorts when they see each other, because Spinner is at the door when she opens it up, which we both, I know, Frank, you noticed it, I really like that tension as well. Um, mm-hmm. it's nice when, uh, you know, relationship notes and things from past seasons still carry through, um, and... Paige just kind of falls into it. She has, like, a magazine with, like, little notes on what she wants, like, aesthetics for the party and things that she wants for the party. Um, And Marco is trying to, you know, also validate Ellie. But as Paige points out, like, this is going to be their last party. This is going to be the big, big thing. She's really trying to wrap shit up, which we saw a little bit last season as well, right? Like, she slept with Spinner, and it was kind of almost like tying up loose ends. And and she's trying to do this with the party. Like, not only is it just celebrating that she's going to Banting and all that great stuff, 
but it's also a final way for her to see her friends from high school in the group in in the group that they originally were before they all go to college which i totally understand like i don't think this show does a great job at showing how everything changes once people go to college um but i do think that there's an attempt in this plot in terms of like page trying to find a way to send everyone off wholly acknowledging that things will never be the same yeah um she also makes a mention that she wants pinatas she does um indoors yeah. <laughs> i've i've never heard of a pinata indoors really yeah because like you're you're swinging a stick around like yeah i um my my family had a finished basement that was pretty like spacious so if we were gonna have a party the uh pinata was down there so i I think look look i'm a december birthday you had to make it work yeah um being a february birthday i know you're paying right Um, like my whole family was born in the winter months so like we never we never had a, a summer birthday to use as an excuse to have a pinata outside yeah Excuse me. Okay. Um, so, um, wow. that that scene just kind of ends. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's it's really inconsequential and it's just hastily added in. It feels like. Um, meanwhile, at Radiator Springs, um, Emma and Sean are catching up. Um, Emma is like, oh, like you still like cars and and stuff like that, and Sean is like yeah i do and like they're bonding about that sean reveals that he wants a diploma emma rightfully so is like so why did you go back to degrassi to get your diploma as there are schools in wasega which i do not blame her for asking this question this is one of the only times i'm on emma's side um and then um she um she's like talking to him and he reveals that um his whole entire thing is he wants to eventually open up a garage in the area um and he's like really proud of it he has like blueprints just on him which is fine it's his baby um and he's like showing it to her he's spreading out the uh blueprints on the hood of his car they're looking at it together their hands brush you know how it goes um, and Manny and Alex are in in sight of it. Alex is like, Alex, as you can tell, just wants nothing to do with it. And Manny is obviously very, very distraught because once again, she has, person- like for whatever reason, determined that Emma's mental health entirely hinges on her having a successful relationship with Peter. Yes. Um, and <laughs> but this is also when like, we had, like, uh, Manny and Alex are sitting on top of a car, and honestly, I was just like, I was just hoping for Alex to be like, yeah, we're both sitting on top of a car. Or maybe, you know, we kiss? I mean, <laughs> just kidding. Unless. Unless. Um, <laughs> what the fuck did you just send me? I sent That's you a, a picture. I'm sorry, what? What the fuck is this second image? <laughs> the, the pinata one? Yeah. My friend, my sister's friend, Beth, was going to college out in Colorado. So Susie made a pinata of Beth's body. 
And that is me getting the final swing on it. <laughs> yeah, I realized, like, I had, I, like, it took me, I was so, like, hung up on the pinata part. And then I finally looked and I was like, oh, that's you. That's you. Okay. But, wow, what a shot. Jesus. This is what we have to, we're, we're record, we have to record, like, you know, from our separate homes. This, this is how we, we continue to build our rapport by sending random shit on, 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 uh, via text message. This, this is what we're doing. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I was just like, man, Alex, don't hate that. Um. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. I, I'm all for it. Fine. Whatever. It's, it's better than their other options. Let's go. New ship so, is So, um, P- Peter and Jay decide it's time for them to race in one of the most boring street races I've ever seen. In a parking Um, lot. yes. Um, like it, it, it definitely is a, a parking lot in a school, not like maybe yeah. Degrassi, but like an elementary school where there's no lights in the parking lot. Cause nobody expects you to be parking there during the day. Um, yeah. so, oh, Basil, um, God, I miss cats. Um, so, um, Peter also forgets to put his car in drive at the beginning of the race, loses precious seconds. Um, and the cops show up. Everybody flees. Sean grabs Emma and like drives off of her, and this and they drive off somewhere and make out. Um, yeah, it's like that really cathartic. Well, it's supposed to be cathartic. Like, oh my god, I couldn't live without you, type thing. And like they really try to like go for the holding the face and the tongue and the in the and like the um, like I feel like. When they try to choreograph kisses, they do this a lot, where it's like the open mouth, almost like a fish type deal. They look like they look like like they're just kind of just like mouthing, gumming each other's faces. Um, but it's like they kiss a bunch, then they stop, and then um, we skipped a bit, so I need to get my bearings. Um, they kiss. It's- they and then it's like they pause and um Peter calls. Yeah. It's also worth mentioning that by this point, Sean has checked in with Emma because Manny was really cryptic. Manny was basically like, you know, fuck off. Emma's been through enough. And Sean is just kind of like, well, what was that? And Emma kind of like, you know. Says, like, oh, like, you can say it. It was anorexia. I don't even know if Sean necessarily knows. Um, or is super privy to all of it. Um, but also, Manny, that's really not cool to just disclose that shit unless you have explicit permission to. Um, and and so, like, he kind of knows this backstory. Um, the race is happening. Yanks her. They have this really cathartic kiss type th- deal. Quote, unquote. Ugh. And, yeah, and then Peter calls. And Emma hangs up on him. Yep. Just keeps, keeps, keeps smacking those lips. Um, meanwhile, for the other plot. Oh, sorry. So we've closed out the, the A plot. But there's something that's very important to, like, to note it. Is that at one point during the race, they keep cutting to Emma. Like, she's one of the fucking pink ladies from Greece. And there is a point where she is just flapping her arms 
basically. <laughs> like, like, it's just a flail. Like, it, it doesn't even seem to be near, like, it just kind of seems like, like, I don't know if it was like they filmed the racing shots separately and they were just like, react! And like, she didn't quite know where. So she's just kind of like, almost like spinning in a half circle as she's watching yeah. the race. It, it, it like she doesn't really look like she's reacting per se. It just kind of looks like it's just like be nervous, and she's like, oh, and that's just kind of what she did. Peals of laughter. <laughs> Peels. Yeah, yeah. Like Frank cracked the fuck up. What was it that you said exactly? <laughs> We're fixing the boat. We got a bunch of shots, right? Yeah. Don't worry, Emma. Don't worry, Miriam. We got. <laughs> we won't no. use that shot. No, it was like you saying like you had been waiting like. Two years for this month. <laughs> yeah. Yes, my life's complete. It took two years. <laughs> but uh, now, now, now I may die. No, um, no. I will live forever. Much Degrassi. We, you're gonna live forever because we have to finish up with going through all the Degrassi episodes, which will take. <laughs> plus, we, I mean, and also like three years, we have to take care of you know the Demon Lord. Uh, <laughs> That's going to be a fucking pain in the ass. Sure will. <laughs> I, like to th- I like to think that you and I are in this apocalyptic battle, and we're just like, okay, we did it. We won. At what cost? Then we just walk back to the computers like, okay, so uh, Sean's up to his bullshit. <laughs> just go right back to recording the podcast. <laughs> Honestly, that's, that's, uh, that's what it's like watching this show. Um, after a while, you know, we're just coping. So, we're just coping. Anyway, um... doing the show, but God, sometimes Degrassi really fucking tries me. It's just like, can we get, like, one episode that's just fun? Like, Can we get I one would, episode that I don't have to look at Peter? Can, I would kill for a beach episode. Anyway. Uh, even a miserable-looking beach. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned on the podcast, but I sent that picture of um, Ellie in her umbrella to my sister, and my sister's like, that is the shittiest looking beach I've ever seen. She's not wrong. I mean, I'm sure there are worse looking beaches, but it was so gray and so drab. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a lake beach. Like, lake beaches are not nice. <laughs> like, no. So, anyway. Anyway. Um, uh, we... So we're also just going to close out the B-plot is, um, I don't know if they're downtown Sasquatch. Don't forget. We can't forget. Fucking Dylan is showing the house to these people whom, when I looked at them, I went, oh, fuck, we're in the era of Harajuku girls because they were stylized in that way. Um, And then they also made a reference to Harajuku girls. Um, and, um, wow, this was a really terrible era for, um, in terms of Japanese people and representation. I mean, there hasn't been many great eras. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that was really fucking bad and really, like, it kind of just summed up that era, which, like, I'm not gonna rant too much about, like, the Gwen Stefani and Lamb and, like, that whole entire era, but, um, that was like one of those moments that really was the embodiment of I had no fucking idea when I was a kid. I was like, yeah, whatever, cool. And then like a couple years later, I really thought about it and I was like, what the actual fuck? 
that was horrible. And, like, I just had no fucking idea. And it's, like, I think it was because, like, you see moments like this in Degrassi where it was just so baked in the culture and, like, representation. Um, and they're just, like, a one-off thing, right? Like, they're, they're looking at the apartment. Dylan's not really in, like, you know, doesn't think they're a great fit. Uh, they, like, bow at Marco and leave. But I was just like, oh, fucking yikes. Like, looking at that in 2020 was fucking terrible. Don't forget about the giggling. Yeah. Yeah. It's... And also, also, mind you, like, it's just, like... You know, there's moments when Susie and I point out that, like, our, like... The movies we watch are written by 50-year-old men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like fucking um, that movie Lull, where, like, Miley Cyrus's character is like, my name's Lola, but everybody calls me Lull. It's like, that's that's not what it is. Like, that's not what that thing, that's not what that is. Um, and it's just like, oh, so we're going to reference something that happened four years ago. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Like, you know, stuff moves on. But it's just like, it's so awful. Like, yeah, I agree completely with what you said. It's so awful to see. And I just, gross. Um, So then we we have a nice tracking shot through the apartment. um, Mm -hmm. Focusing on Marco as he gets to go drink some more Dylan's terrible coffee. Um, And they're talking about what to do and, like, Marco's stress levels. And the scene just kind of ends. Um, yeah. Oh, and and there's a discussion that uh, Marco's dad is going to come help move stuff tomorrow, um, or like the next day or something, and that they have to continue to hide from him. Yeah. Um, which would have been a really interesting plot, but you know, That's can't just, do that. Should have been the plot. I mean, yeah. I know they've had this plot before, but. Like, it feels like you could still do it, especially because Marco is at this weird thing. And honestly, that was something that I was dealing with a lot when I was going into college, which is that weird thing. Because it was like, I was out in high school. Like, I wasn't not out. Um, I wouldn't explicitly say I was gay. Um, But, you know, if anyone asked me, I was not going to deny it, if that makes sense. Um, meanwhile, in college, like, I was very out and, like, started joining LGBTQ communities and started, um, you know, taking classes about gender studies and things. Like, I I was living more out and proud, I guess would be the word. Um, but I was still deeply closeted at home. So, So there was that really weird thing that would happen where it's like, oh, fuck. My parents are here. I gotta like hide my pride pins and I gotta like, you know, hide my partner or whatever. Um, and I think that could have been the story there, right? It could have been Marco becoming more a part of the LGBTQ community, um, becoming a gay adult and kind of what that entails. But unfortunately, as we've talked about before in the series, there is a deep apprehension to have the gay characters have a sense of community, to have your LGBTQ characters be a community together, to interact with each other. Um, they kind of end up like separate 
entities that never really connect or if they do connect it's not really for lgbtq reasons for example alex and marco have been friends but they didn't really gain a connection because of them being a part of a community so it's that that again like i think there were moments in this episode that could have been the main plots between the a plot and the b plot but they're not really what happened. Instead, we're getting this kind of half-assed plot about how Marco is being spread between different places. Honestly, I want to be even more cynical with that. Um, where there's basically, I feel like Degrassi is like we want all we want all the accolades of having a gay character of gay characters on our show, but without doing any of the work. Yeah. Like yeah. we don't, we don't care. Like we want. I Mark, think you care Mark, a little bit, but it's very surface level. Well, yeah, but Marco's their gay friend. Yeah. <laughs> like. It's it's hard because I think that there have been times that they have told a good story with Marco, and I don't want to discredit some of those earlier episodes because I do think they still stand up, and I still think that they are great. And I think that sometimes, even in the later part of it, Marco was talking a little bit more about, like, what it's like to be out and what it's like to be open and what it's like, you know. Like, I feel like they sometimes hit it, but also, at the same time, it's just, yeah, like, they, they just rest on their laurels, I think, is really what it is. I think that they have a good groundwork, but then they kind of rest on their laurels, and then they kind of are like, oh, well, we made a gay character, so, like, whatever. If we just have him say that he's gay a bit, that's, like, rap, right? Yeah. Um, also, he has a... We also forgot to mention he has a bad mustache. He's Italian. Look, facial <laughs> hair is a cruel concept. For well, I mean, like... Italians. Well, yeah, you learn that you can't do it. Like, I'll know, I know I can never have a Burt Reynolds stash, and you move on. And you just keep shaving. He's a child! He doesn't know yet! Sorry, Dahlia just fell in my lap. Anyway, um, so then we have the party. Yeah. And, oh, and, and, oh, no! Like, <laughs> the, 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 the band is playing their crappy reggae again. Um, without Chris. But without, without Chris. Yeah, so it's not him. He wasn't the he wasn't the spawning point of the crappy reggae. Um, <laughs> and then, oh no, here comes Marco's dad. He's arrived earlier because this is the only day he could get the van. Oh no, he fell and hurt his back. Will he reveal? Will we learn? Will he learn Marco's secret? And like, oh no, <laughs> nothing happens. It's very weird. It's very anticlimactic. They bring him to the couch. I guess he's asleep. Marco is beating himself up over the um, party and how, like, it was kind of a bust because his dad hurt his back. Um, and Paige talked, like, gives him coffee and talks to him about it and is, like, you know, they're just kind of talking about how she's, you know, she's leaving and she's scared um, and, you know, she's going to miss people. Uh, but, like, also she's very, like, calm there's one part in the party that we do see in which like Darcy kind of tries to bait her into a fight um, and straight up like, you know, is, is just like trying to, you know, just trying to get, trying to, I don't even know, pull each other's hair or whatever, whatever Darcy wants to get out of this. 
Um, and Paige is like, I'm beyond this. I don't really care. Whatever. Um, and that's the energy that she maintains in this later part in the sense of like her just being very, um, very much accepting that once again, as she said earlier, like everything's changing. Um, things are scary. Um, she has to go alone and she's going to miss people. Um, but you know, that's how it has to be. Um, and again, it's very much the energy that, and we talked about this when we were talking about season five, how I wish that this was kind of the energy of last season in the sense of like the seniors acknowledging that they have to start tying up loose ends. Um, and I wish this was something that was more embedded in that group than um, just Paige being the ambassador of it. Um, but you can tell that they are fond of each other. You can tell that they are friends. And I do appreciate that piece of it. But yeah, it's a really anticlimactic B-plot, especially when this is our first time that we're seeing them go to college. Um, you would think it would be a bit bigger than that. Yeah. Um, so they have a nice moment together. And that's about it. That's the episode. <laughs> yeah, that's the episode. So um, uh, we spent a fair amount of time on that one. I honestly... Let's just hop, skip, and jump our way through the second one, because there's less in that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in this episode, um, we open up with Sean kind of pulling over somewhere. Um, he, he's pulling up in front of uh, in front of uh, Emma's house. It took me forever to realize it. I eventually figured that out. Because, uh, uh, what's his name? What's his ass? Peter's car is there, too. Yeah. Yeah, so they pull over. Um, Sean, <laughs> Sean says a great line that he respects Emma or whatever, um, which was the most teenage boy thing probably ever said on the show. He's trying. He's trying. That's the thing. It's like, you know, he shouldn't have kissed Emma, but Emma shouldn't have blatantly hung up. Like, you know what I mean? It's like... I'm not saying Sean's perfect. I'm never saying Sean is perfect. But also, eh, I can only be so mad at the person who the cheater is cheating with. I I've, I've, I feel like, and perhaps I'm going too easy on him and other people, but she's the one that's actively deciding that, and she's the one that has to unpack that. Um, so um, Sean is just, like, very much... Like, you could tell that he's apologetic about what happened. Um, Emma is just very much like, you know, like, whatever. Let's just kind of just bury this. Um, she leaves him in the car, um, goes to her house. And, of course, we get the little, like, you know, little stab in her side. Because Peter is like, oh, like, is Sean coming? I want his feedback about the race. Like, he, he really wants Sean to be there. Um, and also, it's Peter's birthday and coming up and bullshit. I don't know. Anyway, it's, like, once again, like, Peter trying to make connections with people and presumably weighing further on the guilt that Emma is experiencing. Um, Manny is pissed off um, because, again, she is taking Emma's recovery and manifesting it in the strangest way. Um and she says, like, you know, she was calling um, and that M Emma wasn't picking up. And Peter was just like, well, I wasn't worried. Like, it's fine. Um, and that's 
just the weird vibe that we're going to be stuck with. Um, I don't know if you got any thoughts about this, Frank. I know you have thoughts about the next scene. Uh, none particularly. Like it's just, it's just. I don't care about Peter's feelings. Um, they're really trying. It is weird how hard they're trying to make you care about Peter's feelings. It is actually very weird to me on this show how desperately they want us to give a shit about Peter. Like, not to be like, and I'm not just saying this. Like, I legitimately don't understand. Like, I know. Like, some characters, they've done bad things, and then, like, the writing just kind of full st- steam ahead, right? Like, they're like, yeah, they've done bad things, but, like, who gives a shit? And they kind of, like, just just bury it. This, in case of Peter, it feels like they have been trying to convince us as viewers, no, he's misunderstood, no, he's, he's not a bad guy, no. Like, it feels like a lot of people, it's the boys will be boys, type of excuse and and they just kind of keep plowing ahead but with peter they're like oh but like don't you feel bad for him don't you feel bad for the fact he has no friends don't you feel bad for the fact that he's in in you know in between a horrendous divorce and the answer is sure that's sad but he still does shitty shit so like i can only care so much uh, but it's weird how obsessive they are and how many plots they give him and how they're just really fucking trying when it doesn't really feel like you're getting a ton on screen from him anyway. It, it, it's, for me, it's the Griffin McElroy thing. Like, um, there was, you know, Griffin on his podcast, Rose Buddies, was pointing out that there's this character who uses his mom's death as an excuse for the reason he's shitty. And Griffin's like, I lost my mom when I was a teenager. It doesn't give you a right to be an asshole. Like, you know, nothing in your life, like, there's never, like, there's never a point where, like, you can justify hurting somebody else because of you, you being hurt. Like, so that that's my problem with Peter, is just Peter's like, yeah, my dad's not around. Like, cool, you assaulted somebody. Like, no, no Degrassi, like, I'm not going to like Peter. Never going to like Peter. It's like, and, like, I find this a lot in Netflix movies now, where mm. they're just like, you have to like this character. Like, especially the Kissing Booth movies. Those movies are terrible and, like, poisonous. Um, where they're just like, don't you like these characters? Like, no, I don't like these characters. They're monsters. Each and every one of them. Um, yeah, it's really weird. Because it's like, as I have revealed, I have a soft spot for the mentally ill white boy. I have... You know, I, I, Sean, I can never quite hate. We've talked about Tim Riggins on here. We've talked about Dimitri. We've talked about a couple white boys on here who have done bad things, have hurt people, and yet I still love them. And I acknowledge that. That's why we're friends. Hush. Um, <laughs> but, um. You know, I, I, I admit that this is a vulnerability I have in the media that I consume, um, and it's trend. Um, but it's like, Peter, there's nothing. Like, it's very, even, like, when it's like, oh, feel bad for him, he's still, like, blackmailing people. He's still, like, pushing people to illegally raise. He's still, like, doing something bad. Like... It doesn't feel like other takes on that type of 
I, I keep calling it a trope, and I don't really know if it's a trope so much as just a trend, but I feel like a lot of time when we see the mentally ill white boy, we usually see them fighting against their impulses or fighting against um, their trauma, basically. Like, we see them want to do good, but they may not always do it, right? Whether it's their sense of justice or sense of good becomes some sort of extreme or... Um, you know, they raise their voice and immediately, like, have to step back. Like, there's usually, like, a moment like that, which we can debate whether or not that's good or not, whether or not that's positive or not, whatever. We can have that debate at different times. What I'm saying is that that type of character usually is, like, fighting against it. And maybe they don't always have the therapy or the medication or the support to push through it. But they're trying. You can feel it. Peter, you don't have those moments. He's pretty unrepentant. He only really feels bad if he gets caught and even then he may not own up to that he has done bad things either and it's it's very weird because we're still supposed to feel bad for him we've seen this show be able to write somewhat sympathetic white boys but peter is just awful He's just the fucking worst. Yep. I don't understand. So. Anyway, I don't. But yeah, like, but again, like they're trying, like, because like he rolls in the next day at school. He's wearing a, he's dressing like Sean. I forgot about that part. Yeah. I never forget. He's wearing like the undershirt and like the big jeans and like, you know, the oversized sneakers. Um, and he's like trying to connect. And again, is this a way that people try to connect and like you could be like really sympathetic to? Yeah, absolutely. But with it, when it's Peter, it's like suddenly we're supposed to like feel that he he always feels disconnected by people because like he he doesn't understand them I guess is what they're going for but it's like no he's just a shithead sometimes people are just shitheads um but yeah like he he tries to dress like Sean we fucking died like we broke like for a second trying to process this because eventually he walks up to Sean they're dressed like the same oh god um and Sean is trying to set up a boundary of some sort with Peter where, like, he's trying to be friendly with Peter, but he's also like, maybe you should, like, keep Emma away from the races. Um, And, you know, Peter's, like, like, all in on the idea of doing the races and connecting with Sean. And Sean's like, "Uh, I gotta go. I gotta go to calculus. And Peter's just like, oh, I can help you with calculus. Blah, 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 blah. Like, he's clearly trying to connect with Sean he finds himself friendly with Sean, and we're supposed to, again, feel bad. Um, then we see this carryover into the hallway where Manny is talking to Emma about Sean, um, and, you know, she's bringing up her concerns. Again, like, she just keeps framing this as if a breakup is going to trigger a relapse. Um, and once again, is this a thing that I think teenagers can think? Sure, but it's just really fucked um emma walks off bumps into sean and sean drags her into a classroom and reveals that he has gifted her some um very nice emerald looking earrings um and she's appreciative until she points out that like you know how am i supposed to hide this from peter 
Um, and Sean realizes how short-sighted that gift is. Um, and Emma is, like, trying to pass him off, basically. She's like, well, you could date other people. Like, have you thought about talking to Ellie? Like, as if Ellie is, like, in college and hopefully just fucking right off that we'll find out what happens in her plot. Um, and he's like, you know, like, he's not particularly interested in this. Um, and I guess we're supposed to read them as, like, you know, two lovers on the wrong timeline. Yeah, and then also Manny, like, basically dead arms Emma with one punch. Yes, yes, she does. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I'm not opposed to the plot of someone having feelings for someone else and, like, having to process that. I'm really not. Like, I I think that happens, right? Sometimes, like, you're in a relationship and you like the person enough, but then your old flame comes. Like, I'm a, like, look, like, I'm not gonna say I'm a sucker for it, but, like, I, I, I get it. But, of course it has to have a cheating aspect to it. It can't just be Emma has complicated feelings. It, or, or, like, also, like, I feel like it could have been as simple as, like, and, and I'll, I even said this while watching the episode, like, Emma and Sean's actors have notable chemistry, probably because they've been working with each other for years. Like, it's a way better chemistry than her with Peter. Like, I get it. Sometimes you connect with someone, someone comes back, and, like, I don't know. I feel like this is there was a version of the story that could have been done, but I had to just deal with this type of bullshit, and I'm unhappy. Yeah. So, um... Meanwhile, at the dorms. <laughs> meanwhile, back at the ranch... Like, um, um, uh, th- there's a whole weird auction or na- calling of names, like fucking Hunger Games name calling thing. Yeah, it's really weird. It's like, I swear to God, that's maybe some schools do that, right? Like, maybe some schools do. I don't know. I can only speak to being at Rutgers, but when I moved in, I just fucking went inside. I I confirmed who I am, and I got my key. And I went. But, like, they're doing, like, a weird thing where they're, like, calling out the numbers and everyone's waiting and everyone's really excited. And then Ellie gets called and Marco's there. um, And they're bringing her shit upstairs. um, And they meet. They see that she has a roommate who has, like, a grandma aesthetic. Yes. And then it turns out she is fucking... um... Super bubbly and nice, uh, or uh, like just she's not nice, but like she's, she's more, yeah, she's very gregarious, yeah. Um, I like her struggle selfie with the full with the flip phone because I remember those days, yeah. Um, and she's also already uh made a photo album for the two of them to have put their memories in. Um, and I, I commented, she, her roommate is Leslie Nope. Um, and her name, and her name is Amberly, um, A-M-B-E-R-L-Y, just let that soak in. Um, 
and that's about it. Like Ellie and Marco just like, oh, and like she because like, oh, I'm gonna put the scarf on the door when this one comes over. And Marco's like, haha, I'm gay. Which honestly, I did, I did like that. Marco like, because I don't feel like that's something he would say at Degrassi. Yeah, again, I think there is something to be said about how how different it is when you're in college and how you like what what's going to happen. You're going to say you're gay, okay? Like a lot of campuses, that's totally okay to do. So like, it's nice seeing him become more confident. And I do think that there is this deeper plot of sorts of Marco and his comfort in, in saying that he is gay. Um, and it's nice that he was just like, yeah, whatever, move, I'm gay. Like, basically the energy he gave. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I'm overstepping my boundaries by saying I feel like Marco is moving out of his baby gay stage. He is. It's, okay. it's he's, 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 he's less afraid of the space that he is taking up. Um, I don't know what the next stage is. I don't ever hear people refer to that stage. Buying <laughs> um, ordeal of being known. <laughs> um, the known teenage. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so they, like, take a selfie. It's kind of awkward. We go to the fucking computer lab, and this is where Manny is, like, throwing it all on the table, saying that Peter saved Emma's life. I lost my fucking shit. He was one part of a recovery team. Like. <laughs> I just. And like, Manny's like, oh, I don't like Peter, but he saved your life. And I'm like. What? It's. Again. I, I think it really does come down to Manny is playing the role of someone else in the sense of like. There is a friend that has this perspective, but it makes no sense for Manny to have that perspective. Well, I mean, she's doing what... uh, She's she's the the best friend, like, the character of color best friend, who's like, my main goal here is to just... Like, to be there. Like, her whole thing is about Emma. She has no character arc of her own in this episode. Nothing... Nothing changes for her. Nothing happens. And it's infuriating. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, that happens. We go back to the dorms. Uh, Ellie is talking about takeout. They kind of talk about, like, she she's of the mind that it looks like shit. I guess it's like takeout for the dining hall. Um, and um, eventually the roommate suggests writing an article um, and this is the part where I actually was really uncomfortable because Ellie can't find her prints, um, and the roommate put her clothes away, which is such a, like, you know, such a boundary crossing that I was like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, oh, I would have fucking lost my fucking shit if that happened. Um, but it, it's, Ellie just kind of looks more like she finds it odd. Um, but man, that, mm, like, that was bad. That was really fucking bad. Um, we end up at the, and then we end up back with Peter and Emma. Um, Peter wants to go to the races. Um, Emma is suggesting that they go on a hiatus. 
Peter then jumps to, oh, it's because of Sean, isn't it? And then is like, oh, you two have sex? Um, and she is rightfully pretty pissed off about just jumping to that conclusion. Um, and she stomps off. Um, oh, yeah, also, he's, like, in his car driving as she's walking. It's, like, that kind of shit. Yeah, but it was yeah. ugly. Um, so... Now I just want to close out the, the A-plot, because it's also just nothing. Um, so, uh, Peter's like, I'll, I'll get you too. Um, and Sean gets pulled out of class by Hasselakos. Hasselakos takes him to his locker. She opens it up, and look, there's a bag of weed in there. Yeah, some joints. Uh, Sean talks to Emma and is just like, he set me up. Emma's like, that's nonsense. And he's like, I know it's him. Um, and then that leads uh, to him having a conversation with Jay. Where they're like, let's beat him up. And like, Sean's like, no, we will meet him in the streets in a battle of automobiles. And so they eventually find um, Peter. Uh, he challenges to a race. And they're right, and oh, they also put nit- nitrous in Sean's car. It really is the Fast and the Fucking Furious. It's so stupid. It is. It is. This is definitely a plot that was like the writers went into the room. And we're like, yo, you see the latest Fast and the Furious? Let's fucking write it, but with teenagers. <sighs> no family. I really wish they'd done fi- they done Fast and Furious Nine, and it's just a confusing mess of why anyone's anywhere. Um, Paige can be Jason Statham. There you go. Um. I'd watch that. <laughs> like, Paige just trying to save a baby from a plane. Here's my um, shameful fact about me in The Fast and the Furious. I've never actually seen any of the movies. Um, and after I found out that one of the sequels was called Too Fast, Too Furious, I proceeded to call every sequel the number... Fast, the number Furious. So at one point I was saying like <laughs> Fast Six Furious, <laughs> and like I just anytime there there was a new movie, that's what I would do. Um, and I don't think anyone ever really picked up. I never saw any of the fucking movies. My brother was obsessed with them, which was all the more reason for me not to watch them. And I feel like I'm missing something because, and I don't talk about this too often with even my friends, but I fucking love action movies. The dumber the better. Like. I feel like I would enjoy these. Donnie. Yeah. You have just unlocked a new level in our social link. Oh, thank God. <laughs> like, we are going to watch. Because I'm constantly just like, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to find movies that I feel like you enjoy. I'm like, book smart. What else? <laughs> Sound of a modem powering up. I can't think of anything else. But now that I know you love dumb action movies. Get ready for a fucking road trip. Oh, yeah. Have you, have you ever heard... Oh, Basil. Um, have you ever heard of a movie called Sudden Death? No. It is a movie where Jean-Claude Van Damme... Oh, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. He, God. <laughs> he is a security guard working at a hockey rink. And... He is the only one who knows there's a bomb going to blow up the hockey rink. 
Oh my fucking god! Oh, Can we cool. Watch that between seasons because it's hockey and it's Canadian. Yes, and also just throwing it out there. There's a there's a point where he fights a mascot <laughs> in a kitchen. <laughs> this movie was fucking made for me. I will oh, watch. Fuck. I will watch every Fast and the Furious movie that you want to watch. Those they are all so fucking dumb. <laughs> I'm so happy. Yeah, no. Fun fact about me: I love action movies. Um, don't ask me about them because the fact of the matter is I haven't seen many. And it's one of those things where it's like when they're on or someone puts them on, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm locked the fuck in. I'm there forever. But, like, I don't actively seek it. So, like, it took, like, until two years ago for me to see, for example, Face Off or things like that. Um, And (laughs) Face Off is legitimately, unironically, such a treat for me as a movie. Um, (laughs) But I will watch anything. I will watch a fucking mascot fight. That sounds great. So, one of my one of my favorite moments I wish somebody was around with me for was that I was eating. Um, this is back when I was working in a pharmacy that was near like a Chinese food restaurant. So sometimes I take my break and get food at a Chinese food restaurant. And I was like twenty minutes late off of my break, and I ended up staying late, but it was all worth it because I heard two women, English was not their first language, discussing the plot of the movie Face Off. Oh, I would be there eavesdropping forever. I, I'm just like, I can't leave. I have to hear the end of this. That's um, captivating. I'm not going to, like, they both, like, I'm not going to try and imitate because they've had very heavy accents, but I'm just like, oh, my God. But, like, one one of them said, like, they took off his face and put it on the other guy's face. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Yes! Tell me more! I want, see, they should run a podcast. I so, listen to them telling me about action movies. Alright, so let's just close out Degrassi and then fucking whatever. Um, yeah, anyway, so, so that happens. They, yeah, it's like Fast and Furious. That's where originally we were. Yeah, uh, they, they, end up, they end up hitting... Like, Sean goes oh, up on... Pierce says bitch! We... Was it, yeah, was it Peter or was it Sean? One of them says bitch, and, like, we both were like, huh, for a second. But apparently that was the first time that bitch was used in Degrassi. I really don't like using that word, but I feel like you had to know that they used that word. And I was really not ready for that because Sean also tells Emma, go to hell. Um, It's just a lot of more coarse language than we're used to from Degrassi. Not saying that I don't curse like a sailor, because I do, as we know. But um, it was shocking to hear it come out of Degrassi. So, yeah. Um, and, like, so, yeah, they hit a pedestrian, because, like, another car is, like, exiting or something, and it um, causes Sean to swerve, and he hits a runner, um, Jay arrives, tells Sean to run. Um, he says Peter's a minor, so, like, it won't matter as much. The guy's alive. Um, and Sean yeah. calls for the ambulance, um, leaving Jay and Peter behind. Um, P- Sean runs to Emma's house. She finds him in the basement. Um, and the cops arrive. Oh, and, like, Snake is just like basically like shit's real bad. Um, 
And oh, by the way, Spike doesn't speak at all in this episode. No. Didn't so, want to play her. So yeah, um, Sean gets taken away by the cops, uh, and that's the end of the episode. Uh, just to close out the Ellie plotline, she writes a um, newspaper article for our douchebaggy like head editor, Jesse. Jesse, I cannot wait for their awful plotline. Jesse's a douchebag. She says, please, pub- if you're going to publish it, publish it anonymously. He decides not to. Also uh, has a picture of her in the article, which I don't know how he got a hold of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, Amber Lee throws out Ellie's stuff like it's a fucking Guns N' Roses video or a White Snake yeah. video, I should say. Um, it's also really weird because it sounds like the article was pretty innocuous because it makes fun of the roommate and it says that it criticizes the housing department and the dining department. But it feels like it's entirely ignoring the fact that Ellie's shit went missing and it's very possible her roommate is responsible and her roommate touched her shit. That actually seems like something that could be reported. And yet it seems like the article was kind of like a humor piece. So that was weird. Also, yeah. Ellie got entirely kicked out of housing, apparently, because she materializes at Marco and Dylan's place and is now their roommate. And I feel like that is very hard to do within the course of the first few days of moving. Yeah. So, so boom, shakalaka, that's the episode. Uh, D minus. Yeah, it's a very weak opener. Um, this is the weakest opener of any that we've had so far. I agree. I think what usually usually the season starts strong and then it can't maintain it. So having it start as a weak one, it's just like it just goes back to our issues again. It focuses on Peter, and Peter's not really sympathetic. I think that there's some really bullshit takes on recovery. I think there's some bullshit takes on a lot of things, and I think that they just kind of stumbled a bit introducing the characters in college. I think that. Um, while does it need to be 100% accurate to how college procedures work? No, it doesn't necessarily. Um, but it just feels like they're ignoring the actual plots of starting college for, like, weird bullshit conundrums. Like, Marco has more than enough to think about starting school than, like, for whatever reason, signing a lease on a house when he doesn't have enough roommates to afford rent. Like, Ellie has a lot actual things to talk about, and yet the issue is that she wrote a humor piece. It, it just kind of feels like they really missed the mark. Um, which, you know, it's the first time they're writing college students outside of Dylan. So, like, me, you know, is that something they can grow into? I guess we're going to find out. But, yeah, it was a really weak opener. And I usually do like the first episode of these seasons. Yeah. So, okay. Um... Rankings... Uh, everybody's going down. Sean for hitting a person. Um, Emma. Particular manslaughter. Uh, Emma for cheating. Never, never justified. Manny gets to bump up a few spots for, um, trying to be a good friend, even though she deserves better. Uh, Peter, who cares? Um, I mean, he's down in the doldrums, never to rise. Um... Uh, Marco staying where he is. 
Dylan's staying where he is. Nothing happened. Ellie still thinks it's kind of shitty to, like, backtalk somebody in the newspaper, even if, you know, you were trying to hide yourself. Still shitty. You know what? I'm, I'm, Ellie has to go down two or three notches for that. Because, like, there's an episode of Parks and Rec where Ron Swanson, and I know it's different. Ron Swanson's a full-grown man. Ellie is a uh, teen girl. But, like, he writes letters to people he doesn't care for, and they're like, you signed it? He's like, yeah, I meant what I said, and if you're going to, like, go after somebody, you go after them face-to-face, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jesse's a douchebag, I don't care to know him. Um, I do want to say one last thing about Ellie. I think what also was really bothersome about the whole entire thing is she wrote an article, and it feels like... Like, the way that she wrote the article, you would think that she had tried talking to housing and tried, like, talking to dining and things and ended up with dead ends. hmm And, like, it, it feels like it's missing a step. I feel like you don't just decide to write an article just to make fun. Like, that doesn't seem like Ellie's speech. She doesn't make an article just to make fun of it. She makes an article because her other means of representational government failed her. Yeah. Um... Everybody else's uh, page gets a bump up a spot because she rose above Darcy's ba- baiting. Da- Darcy? Darcy. Darcy. Uh, get bumps down a spot for trying to bait. Um, that's about it, honestly. Everybody else is kind of innocuous. Yeah. Um, let's move on to recommendations. This is where we recommend things that are either tangentially related or just things that we are enjoying right now. Um... I am going to recommend my current obsession, as if I'm not always still obsessed with Fire Emblem. Um, I got really into Dragula, uh, which is a competitive drag reality TV show. You can watch the first season on YouTube. You can watch the other two seasons on Netflix. Um, I really, really enjoy this show. If you're into competitive reality TV, like me... um, it's a really good exploration artistry, specifically of alternative drag. So if you're somebody who um, has read and, you know, you've seen a lot of criticism toward RuPaul's Drag Race, there's a lot to have toward RuPaul as a person, as well as, like, some of the rules in terms of, like, who can compete in RuPaul's Drag Race and things like that. Um, Dragula is trying to give visibility to... um, to people who may not always have that visibility. So you'll see contestants who are, um, like they have drag kings compete um, and trans uh, trans uh, performers compete and things like that. And it's just very nice and refreshing. And they have more of a horror edge to a lot of them. They have more of an alternative edge to a lot of them that you just don't really see um, in more mainstream drag and honestly it's an expression of it that i didn't really know existed outside of like some conversations with some of my friends so it was a really cool way to get insight into um this artistry but i specifically want to recommend season two um because it is a bit low budget um but has a very captivating plot in terms of the contestants there's one contestant in particular who is a bit volatile um, and is coming off of, like, really bad toxic breakup and stuff, and is, like, slowly, like, becoming a person again, basically. There's a lot of, like, I was watching it with friend of the show, Joey, and I was like, fuck, why does every single episode feel like a conversation at 2 a.m. sitting on your parents' front, like, 
patio furniture, <laughs> but that's kind of the energy of it. It's really interesting. Um, yes, it's cool to see the artistry. Yes, it's cool to see all that type of stuff, but it's also just a very interesting exploration of a very niche group of people and performers and artists and um, some of their very messy interpersonal dynamics. So if you are interested in checking something out, it's pretty short and a lot of it is on Netflix. Um, I definitely recommend Dragula. Um, I'm going to recommend two shows that I've watched for Teen Girl Talk that I really like. Nice. Number one, number one, The Babysitter's Club, um, which is finally the, uh, how can I put this? It's finally the, like, beautiful gay show that uh, Anne and Martin always wanted it to be. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry, that's a bad way to put it. I mean, but it it's... You know what? Okay, I'm gonna just redo my whole thing. It it's a beautiful, beautiful show. Like it still feels like the the Babysitters Club. My sister books. My sister read back in the day, and the show that we watched. Um, but it's like updated itself, and is just fucking great. Like you're constantly seeing people on that show. Where I'm like, oh, that person's in there, and they're just like, yeah, this like. There's um, just like there's same sex couples. It's just a thing. Who the fuck cares? Um, so I highly recommend that. I also recommend the show Teenage Bounty Hunters, um, which okay. um, like it's it's two very religious twins in the South becoming bounty hunters, and they um, it. it they're just so wholesome and wonderful. And the show is so whip smart and funny. Um, I mean, yeah, like I, I hired them in both shows. Like they're just so very good. Nice. Well, then but, you've made it through Frank, unless you have something else you'd like to add. I was just going to say like Teenage Bounty Hunters also does a great job of like, you know, the two girls in the show are both, you know, rich white girls and um, their bounty hunting teacher is a black man. And they're about, like, we know we can move through. Like, they have discussions about privilege and race and whatnot. And it's just, like, this is a, And, like, they get called out on their privilege and on their, like, they're, like, I'm an ally. And, like, are you? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. when you're still doing this thing? And I just love it that the show is willing to go there. Um, so, yeah, I highly recommend that show. But yeah, I made it through. Huzzah. Let's get on to some... Hopefully this one will be better than season five. I guess I guess we have to wait and see. And if you'd like to send us any questions, comments, concerns about season six or past episodes, you can send them over to us at ihopepod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on social media. We have a Facebook group called I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. We also have a Twitter account called I Hope Pod. We're actually in the process of hopefully livening up our social media accounts, so feel free to follow them for now and kind of see what we end up doing with them. Um, you can support the show in two ways. You can donate to um, our coffee account and all the money that we make goes to our tech upgrades, to our paying guests and things like that. And yes, we do have some guests that will hopefully be making an appearance soon enough. Um, you can also always leave a rating or review. We have a couple initiatives that we have set up when we hit certain milestones, including bonus content, uh, which comes in the form of us looking at classic Degrassi episodes, uh, 
doing plot line shuffle type stuff, doing writing, me writing fanfic. Uh, I guess I'll post on my AO3. Um, we have a lot of fun little things like that. And thank you as always to everybody who has taken the time to leave ratings and reviews. It means so much to us. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can check me out at DM is unbreakable. Um, I don't have too much to promote right now. Um, the zine that I was talking about, Cherish Zine, just closed up its pre-orders. Um, once we get everything sent out, we will be sending, um, we will have some extras provided. So if you did not get a chance or you're just finding out about the project, it is a zine dedicated to Dudu and Dimitri uh, from Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, we are super proud of the project. We have... We will definitely have some zines and merch left over, so if you want to check it out, I will definitely let people know once we are going back on sale with that. But it's going to take a little bit. Um, that's all I really have right now. Um, unfortunately, my Twitter is me screaming into the void sometimes, but sometimes I put up some Fire Emblem stuff. And of course, as always, if you ever want to talk to me about Degrassi, feel free to just directly at me, and I will happily answer any questions or comments. And I also really love listening to people's live tweets about it. So if you ever want to tell me about where you're at and how you're feeling about the series, feel free to send me it because I legitimately love hearing all of your thoughts. Um, I have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. Uh, I think when this comes out, we'll be closing out Sleepover September. Um, so hope you've joined us for that. Uh, that's about all I have going on right now, honestly. Yep. That being said, everybody, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye.